right, welcome back for uh, another uh, episode of Tombstone Minute. I'm your co-host, Rob. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Joe. And today, special Huckleberry, we have Brett Stillo from 5 Minutes of Trouble, which is a minute-by-minute podcast on big trouble in Little China. Yeah, wow, thank you. I've I've never been uh, called a special Huckleberry before. Yeah, (laughs) that's reserved for, you know, just the very best. Uh, thank you. It, although it is a little creepy. You know, can you imagine somebody calling, you're my special Huckleberry? When I was a kid and I got the little sweetheart uh, uh, candies and Valentine's Day, I always hoped one would someday see, someday say, uh, special Huckleberry. There, aren't, th- aren't there, in fact, like, or at one point, you know, custom-made Valentine hearts, you could put anything you wanted on there? I'm just saying you could, you know, you can fulfill that dream now. That's true. I thought you were going to say, I thought there was going to be some, uh, like, those false threats. I thought you were going to say, like, aren't those manufactured in prisons? You could do that with M&Ms, too, actually, get customized ones. In prison? Yes, only in prison. <laughs> they make, yeah, in prison... They make license plates, vanity license plates, M and M's, sweethearts. Well, they only make the personalized ones there. They don't make the regular M and M's. Is it? <laughs> Good point. Do they only make the personalized license plates too, or all the license plates, or is that even true? I think God. it varies state to state. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about this minute, shall we? Um, let's. Uh, this is minute ninety-eight, and in this minute. Why Derp says no. <laughs> he does. <laughs> also, Curly Bill is shot. Um, but I, I think I think the most memorable. I think we'd all agree the most memorable part of this minute is Why Derp shouting no in slow motion. Exactly. Exactly. Watching this made me wonder when that cliche in movies started. This is the earliest one that I can remember of the slow motion. No. Oh, are you? Are I guess I never thought of it in reference to um, Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith, right? When he yells no at the end there too. Is that a slow motion? Maybe. Uh, I've only seen that one once. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I just. Uh, I mean, you. Funny you mentioned Star Wars because you know watching this minute. Yeah, it's it's a very subtle slow motion no, but it's still a no. And I just thought, yeah, how many times have I seen this? Was this the first time I saw that? Um, I was tempted to to go to IMDb and look that one up, but yeah, I did, I did think of Star Wars and Luke when uh, Obi Wan yeah, disappears. In. But that's a clean. That's that's oh, real I time. D- no, I just I just thought of one uh, in Rocky Three. Uh, oh, Duke yells no in like slow motion at the end of that boxing match. Okay, so that would that would predate this. Right? There you go. Yeah, that's like eighty five, eighty six for Rocky three. So there you have it. Is but, yeah, I can't think of any other ones. Well, did, any other ones from before. Seems like this should have been a dare poster when we were when we were kids growing up. Oh yeah, when had... they did like movie <laughs> moments to get us to not smoke pot. Yeah, say no to drugs. Yeah. <laughs> we could just have... Or you'll, be, sh- <laughs> or you'll be gunned down a Wyatt's lawless <laughs> rampage. Say no well, that, to shotguns. Just <laughs> say no to shotgun shells. That 
that should have been a marketing thing they did. They, you know, they got athletes doing those just say no. They should have just taken famous scenes where characters say no, and and put that with like just say no to drugs. What do you want to bet on on ye old YouTube? There is a montage of famous no's and maybe not so famous no's. Uh, just, I bet you there is. Yeah, you, you know, even money be. on that one. I, I hope how how they cut it is it's just one long no like they just take like eighty five movies that have that niche through the overlap all of them yeah so, so only one person gets to say the end sound and the yeah. rest is just everyone doing the- <laughs> oh it kind of sounds like a really bad Gregorian chant that'd be perfect if that doesn't exist someone should do that I'll I'll uh, get cracking on it tonight um. So, in this minute, let's sort of uh, back up a little bit before the no. We have uh, Curly Bill starts out by saying, come and get some, boy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and this is where we have to begin to question the leadership of Curly Bill, if we haven't already. (laughs) Wyatt Earp, the guy he's been going after, is by himself in these, like, springs, in this river... And, he, and Curly Bill tells all the other cowboys to stop shooting so he can do it. He wants to, he wants to carry this out. And if we've, I don't know how much you've, uh, uh, if you've heard us go down this theory, but Joe has a, a pretty fascinating theory about Curly Bill. It's I, not even a theory. It's, it's, a, it's an absolute fact. He can't hit the broadside of a barn. He doesn't shoot anybody the whole movie. <laughs> he misses and every time. This is, we, you know, and this one just seemed like, a, a locked-in cinch. This one I can take care of. Um, but yeah, I mean that's it's obvious. Curly Bill can't hit the broadside of a barn. But I mean that that's a whole conceit in in Western movies and the West. Um, you know, it's just it's a given that if you wear a cowboy hat, you're a crack shot. You can do all these amazing. You know, I shot it behind my back and it ricocheted and it. It hit a match and lit it. That all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there there just had to be some cowboys who were lousy shots, and I think uh, I think there were probably more curly bills in terms of their marksmanship than not. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think that all of his buddies know that he's a bad shot. So one of them should be aiming at Wyatt and just shooting at the exact same time as Curly Bill and hitting him, and just be like, "Wow, Bill, great shot." Like, That's a good. That like like everyone entourage needs like that guy that covers up for the doofus leading it. <laughs> yeah, because he he walks out into the water and <laughs> fires at Wyatt. I counted three times and misses every single time. Yeah. And the way it's presented in this movie, we're supposed to kind of be like, wow, isn't that miraculous that Wyatt Earp survived that? And it's not because we've seen Curly Bill shoot. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't Johnny Ringo there? I, well. There's all these moments in this movie where, like, either Curly Bill isn't there for no reason or Johnny Ringo is absent and for mysterious reasons, too. I mean, in this River Showdown, I think Curly Bills are only recognizable bad. Oh, there's uh, Johnny, Johnny, what's his face? Is Johnny, Johnny Northern Exposure is is there. Uh, oh. Johnny Barnes, played by Johnny Corbett. Johnny Barnes. Yeah, Johnny Barnes yep, yep. is there. Um, yeah, I, I wondered that, too, because we have a number of 
unidentifiable cowboys who who scream out in pain and die. So, <laughs> well, we we discuss on all the minutes leading up to this why are murders and kills all these people who we have no idea who they are. We have no clue who these cowboys are outside of they wore a red sash. Yeah, and they all, they all have very it's either mustache, goatee, mustache and goatee, uh, and big floppy hats. It's it's a hard movie if you like character actors to kind of keep it all straight. Yeah. Yeah, which is what I think partly what makes Powers Booth performances of Curly Bill so amazing because he stands out so much. I mean, I know he's sort of one of the top bad guys, but um, everything Curly Bill says is, is amazing. And yeah. In my mind. Um, so Bill, well, Curly Bill shoots three times. He misses. And at this point, Wyatt just unloads uh, as a shotgun, right? Shoots a yeah. shotgun right into him. Yeah. No. No, um, this is our. What's our joke? Can you check the chalkboard? How many times have we had slow motion used? This is the third time, I believe. The horse jump, and then when Morgan dies, and then this. Uh, well, let's look at you know history though. The the Earps were known, uh, or not. You know, it's it's not talked about, but they could manipulate time and space to a degree. Yes. <laughs> These are the Earps, after all. There were so many of them. Uh, that they could actually create these sort of gravity wells. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that would just, explain why Warren Earp isn't at any of these things. He's uh, uh, one of the brothers that's yeah. not there. He's the one manipulating time. Yeah, Warren and James. I'm sure you guys have, have read about the real battle at Iron Springs. And yeah, both Warren and James Earp were there. So, you know, and that's just that's just the tip of the Earp. There, you know, Wyatt Earp had 75 brothers. <laughs> A whole clone army. They're yeah. all, all 75 of them are holding hands in a huge circle around this space, casting yeah. a spell to slow down time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. New Mexico at one point was known as Urpatopia. <laughs> That's why in New Mexico right now, it's actually only 1983. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. Due to this huge time space uh, dilation. That's also why Curly Bill missed. It's, you know, why it was doing the old Matrix thing. What's your view on slow motion in movies? Uh, overused today. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a time in the 60s and 70s when it was quaint. Um, like Bonnie it, and Clyde? Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde, great example. You know, it's you know just, just like a lot of things, I think, in mainstream Hollywood. They just, uh, it's a dead horse that they continue to beat on. There isn't, it isn't a dead horse anymore. It's the skeleton of a horse. I would agree it's overused, and I'm not a fan of it for the most part. But do you think part of it is that slow motion pre-home video was a really special thing to see, right? If you could see something occur on a huge screen slowly or see anything occur slowly, that's something you don't see. But now with, like, obviously online video and, like, instant replay and stuff in sports, but also, like, I can take any scene and watch in slow motion with the press of a button – I wonder if part of it is just like the novelty of it is worn out where it's, you know, seeing something slow isn't meaningful anymore. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think you, I think you're on something there. It's, it's, I think there's kind of what you were alluding to new, new technology that makes slow motion really weird and magical. Um, and is again, just kind of exploiting, exploitating that, exploitationing that. Um, exploiting. Exploiting. Thank you. <laughs> you know, if you have special cameras that can film, you know, 800 frames a second, 
you just got to get your money's worth. Um, just funny, not too long ago, I, I revisited my childhood friend, the $6 million man. Okay. Thoroughly, thoroughly disappointed by that, by the way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> does not hold up. But yeah, you know, this mid-1970s, 35 millimeter, you know, made for television slow motion, real jerky. You know, that's like, yeah. you know, you can, I, I wonder if those, you know, $6 million man sound effects were kind of cued to the jerky motion of the, you know, like that. Um, but yeah, I mean. That, it might be oh. that they're doing all the slow motion in post. Because when you do slow motion, you, what you do is you speed up the film and the camera. So you right. don't get that choppiness. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. you play it back at normal speed, and it's then everything's in slow motion. I bet for on, on TV they're just filming it at normal speed, and yeah. just slowing it down, so the frame rate gets all screwed up. Yeah, or they just suck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I did a little. I don't know if you guys did, but I did a little historical research on what actually happened here. Yeah. At, at Iron Creek, and um, we had discussed in the previous minute how originally what happened is. Uh, Curly Bill and like eight other cowboys were hanging out at a campfire and then the Vendetta, uh, Wyatt's Vendetta group kind of showed up and then Curly Bill fired at Wyatt unprovoked, at which point Wyatt returns Curly Bill's fire with a shotgun blast um, that kills him. We have a big shootout that occurs. The only other casualty was Texas Jack's horse um, got hit. Uh Wyatt does shoot Johnny Barnes, you mentioned Johnny Barnes, um, in the chest, and Milt Hicks in the arm, which are two cowboys. Johnny Barnes recovers somewhat and later dies. So I think that should maybe count as a, as a casualty from that. Yeah. But he later says that he's the one who shot Virgil. Johnny Barnes did? Yeah. Well, you know, that's the... You know, when you study Western history, it's 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 frustrating, but it's also kind of fun uh, because yeah, I did a little homework on Iron Springs, and um, everybody shot Curly Bill. Annie Oakley yeah. shot Curly Bill. <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt shot Curly Bill. Um, you know, you go back to that era. You know, everybody was having what what's his name Ned Buntline write their their autobiographies for him, and. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's a little frustrating to get to the the actual truth of it, what actually happened there. But um, hey, you know, print the legend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. This, the, when we when we started this, Joe and I were like, let's you know dig into the history stuff, and then we quickly realized that we'll try to, but it's disputed. Every little thing is. I mean, even the the gunfight, the OK Corral didn't happen at the OK Corral, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. One reason why I like westerns is. You know, when you go back to the fact, the fact is kind of blurry. And so, you know, yeah, a movie like Tombstone, it, it may as well be, uh, you know, a documentary in a sense. Um, so and also it, it kind of helps me like I don't I don't have to borrow with the, the quote realism of the act of, you know, their depiction of the, of the Battle of Iron Springs. It's just um, this this version is good as any. I mean. I'm actually quite confident if you took all the Westerns ever made and added their running time together, it's probably longer than the actual time of the Old West era in American <laughs> history. Yeah, exactly. Anything either you, Joe, or Brett, on this minute? 
Uh, Curly Bill's wound looked sort of like a pepperoni pizza. Yes. Because, you know, it's it's kind of a, if you will, a, a, a conservative wound or a, you know, they, some restraint there. You know, again, in this age of, of CGI, I think you would have seen, you know, poor Curly Bill's, you know, the back of his back explode and he would have been cut in half. And, uh, you know, his torso and head would have done a somersault in the air before landing in the creek. So it's it's it's, it's kind of nice that he just he, he got shot and he died. It's interesting you say that because I have this is going to drive Joe nuts, but I have the Tombstone novel by Giles Tippett, which is based upon the screenplay. And in this novel, after Curly Bill, um, so in, and with that, Wyatt fired both barrels. Curly Bill's midsection disappeared. What? A huge double charge of buckshot, ripping him in half. The other cowboys flinched as they were sprayed with flecks of blood and gore. One of the cowboys <laughs> screamed, Oh my God, I've got his brains on me. <laughs> like a sam raimi movie (laughs) so you're right they could have gone a little more extreme with it yeah but i I was cool with you know their 1993 uh pepperoni pizza chest um there's something about john corbett's line that's squeaky jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i love that (laughs) jesus christ I think he soiled himself as he said well, that. Uh, well, so we've been keeping a kill count yeah. um, of the uh, Erp Vendetta ride. So he kills Curly Bill, which is number 17, and then he kills, I believe, three others. So at this point in the movie, uh, Wyatt Earp has killed tw- – Wyatt Earp and his gang of Vendetta riders have killed 20 people. It's a yeah. lot. It's a lot. And is at the end of this minute, we have Texas Jack say, uh, you know, do you see anything like that before? And we have uh, uh, Turkey Creek, who's like, hell, I ain't, I ain't never even heard of anything like that. <laughs> Gotta I, love that. I would watch an entire buddy cop movie with Texas Jack and Turkey Creek. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that should have been a spinoff. In fact, Peter Shirako. Shir- have you guys looked yeah, yeah. him up in on IMDb? Yeah, so he's the guy... Uh, you might have more on this, but the thing I think I've learned we learned about him was that he like ran or like worked with the Buckaroos and like all the like extras that dress up like cowboys. Like there's a group of guys that did right, that. Right. Yeah. That's all. That's the fun fact I know on him. Yeah. I just. I mean, I just looked him up on IMDb, and yeah, I got. I kind of got a little of that too. That he's you know actor slash you know Western history reenactor. He's yeah. got a like some you know one to two thousand uh firearms in a private collection that now seriously he's got like over a thousand guns made before 1898 but his wow. his imdb credits his his film career uh he has made a career of playing cowboys named jack and i kid you not yeah if you look him look him up on imdb he's been texas jack several times he's been tombstone jack cactus jack i think he's been monterey jack uh i kid you not (laughs) he i maybe that's in his contract uh you know hey we'd really like you in this movie okay i gotta be named jack though you gotta that's actually he's actually what uh jack's pizza is named after (laughs) i don't know if you guys knew that so i have a 
I was excited to talk to you about is Kurt Russell. What does he do best? And in my in this man's humble opinion, Kurt Russell is best utilized surly and incompetent. <laughs> which is why Big Trouble in Little China is probably Kurt Russell at his best, in my opinion. I would I would agree with you. There there's the you know, Kurt Russell is the master of the shrug. You know, that's sort of eh you know, that's sort of moving his shoulders up. Um I tell you, spending so much time with Big Trouble, it was a little weird watching uh him be so angry and focused and you know yeah. Uh, hell's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he clearly, like, Big Trouble, he mostly just seems like he hasn't read the script. And doesn't Completely. And not want to do anything. Yeah. Completely. So I was, I thought maybe we could riff a little, a little bit on, on uh, what this scene would be like if, if John Carpenter had directed it. <laughs> oh. Well, so, number one, Curly Bill would have been cut in half. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Probably. I'm thinking, like, so Kurt Russell walks out into that river, and then a giant snake, like, wraps around his leg and pulls him underwater, probably, right? Yeah, that, that could be Doc good. And then Doc has to kill Curly Bill and save uh, Wyatt. The, the score would definitely be different. <laughs> I think another possibility would be that Kurt Russell, in trying to fire that shotgun, accidentally opens both barrels and the bullets fall into the water. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's... Yeah. And then when he uh, reaches down to pick up the bullets, that's when uh, somebody else shoots and cuts Curly Bill in half. And then he looks up. Oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know this movie. I think about it. Curly Bill is kind of a mean Jack Burton. He kind of yeah. swaggers through the movie and he talks a lot and. You know, I got this. Hold on. You know, and he wades out into the creek, and then he gets shot. So, uh, you know, in in my fan fiction, I'm going to make that that connection that Curly Bill is a is an ancestor of uh, Jack Burton. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Now, stop me if you've already heard this, but did you guys know that Big Trouble in Little China actually uh, its origin? In the initial screenplay, it was going to be a western. I think uh, I have heard that, but I—that's where my knowledge ends. I don't know any more details than that. Like, uh, if they did, they flesh out a complete story and stuff. Yeah, they—they're, uh, you know, the basic foundation of the story is still there. There was no Jack Burton in the original screenplay. He was—you'll uh, like this name, Wiley Prescott. <laughs> Ooh, I like I that. I do like it. Yeah, Wiley Prescott, and he's a. I think he was a gambler or a cowboy, but he literally rides into San Francisco. The names are changed, but he still, you know, he has the the young Chinese friend whose fiance is missing, and Lo Pan is still there as the bad guy. But the original incarnation was uh, something you see more common now, and that's sort of a cross-genre, you know, kung fu western with elements of the supernatural. But it was set in, I believe, 1880s Barbary Coast, San Francisco. And it was far more serious. That's that's one thing about this script. It was pretty much straight ahead. Like, uh, I'm a cowboy. You're an evil wizard. Let's fight. Uh, then the great W.D. Richter came in and did some script doctoring and said, you know what? Let's This thing needs some air. Let's move it to the present. Uh, 
let's add a, add some jokes and uh, <laughs> and he changed the name to Jack Burton. I I would I would have loved to have seen the original version, but I adore Big Trouble in Little China, so I'm absolutely fine with all those changes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's it. I mean somebody could do take the original script and do uh, you know a supernatural kung fu western. I wouldn't mind at all. <laughs> But yeah, leave the original Big Trouble in Little China alone. Yeah, I guess they kind of did part of that with, uh, was it Shanghai Noon? <laughs> was that the Owen Wilson? Yeah. Uh, they didn't have, I don't think there's supernatural stuff in yeah. that, but they did get the Kung Fu into the Western. Yeah, that's true. It's a it's a sub-sub-genre that uh, not enough books have been written about, but uh, there were two or three uh, Kung Fu spaghetti Westerns in the early 70s that kind of set the tone. Uh, the Deadly Hands of Shanghai Joe. Uh, so I think there's there's plenty of room for Kung Fu Westerns. There there needs to be more. I, I agree. I it sounds like something that I was curious. This is the, the question I had. Have you guys heard of Russellmania? Russellmania? No, Russellmania. So this is in Austin at the Draft House. Um, Russellmania 2 is coming up, which is a Kurt Russell mega marathon. Ooh. And it's like a, a marathon of Kurt Russell movies. And I don't even know if they've unveiled, like, I think you can buy tickets, but they haven't even said what movies there are yet. Well, when is this? Uh, I don't know when. it. Uh, but, yeah, it's called the uh, WrestleMania 2, the Kurt Russell Mega Marathon. And apparently this is the second one. They did one. I don't know if it's annual or if it was a few years ago that they did it. Um, but it's interesting to think of, like, what movies – you would have um oh so it was in 2013 was when the original wrestlemania oh uh, um and then this is the second one but i mean i would assume you'd have to have i mean tombstone big trouble in little china escape from new york the thing i mean i was just, just uh this morning i was talking serious tango and cash mm-hmm. uh with a guy and um you know we were he was a cartoonist, and uh, he 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 did several uh, Big Trouble in Little China covers, and uh, he was he was saying how it's actually difficult. Kurt Russell's a difficult dry guy to draw, uh, you know, just his jaws. There's something about that jawline that's difficult. And uh, same thing with Stallone. So I said, well, if I, hopefully they'll never do a Tango and Cash comic because you'll, <laughs> yeah. you'll yeah. be in pain. That's hell. But, uh, uh, the, the, other, the other Kurt Russell movie that I would put in there is Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and o- Overboard. Overboard's a cute one. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm forgetting the title, but uh, Kurt Russell and Robin Williams – was it the best of times? Um, uh, the best of times, yeah, from '86. Yeah, I've heard of that. One. I've never seen that. It's a cute movie, and it's it's Kurt. We were talking about his his comedic skills. He he's a, a foiled Robin Williams. Okay, uh, and it, it's a pretty good pairing. But uh, the oh, premise. Shelton wrote that. Yeah, mm. yeah, and the premise yeah. is it's uh, you know. Two guys who are, you know, it's a replaying a high school football game from, you know, like some 20 years before. And, uh, you know, Robin Williams, I think, fumbled the ball. You know, just it's uh, trying to trying to set things right. 
but uh yeah kurt kurt is very kurt in that movie i'll have to check that the other one i was thinking of that i haven't seen in forever that i know people kind of look back on fondly is dark blue which is where he's like a like a he's like a corrupt police officer but and Bing yeah, that's Rames based on it. a James Elroy story. Ooh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Is, I've heard. I've heard that's good. Yeah. Um, I've not. I haven't seen it, but I. I would like to. I uh, mean, that's one thing about Kurt is he can he can be the bad guy. You yeah, know, he can play. He's a, he's a good bad guy. Um, I think he was very effective in uh, Guardians Two. Um. So one of the things we've been doing. Uh, Brett, as we ask people who've been on what their cowboy name would be. Ha! Uh, well, this... Run now, because I've, I've been working on a little short story okay. uh, set in the Old West, so I've, I've got a, a bunch of them. Uh, I could be the Wichita Kid, or okay. um, the one the one that I came up with just the other day that I can't get out of my head. There's something about about you know the the tone of it but i love the name charlie cork <laughs> charlie cork i like nice. charlie cork yeah because you know you study the west and yeah you run into all these you know curly bill brocious you know they their names aren't particularly glamorous they sound kind of you know kind of like low life so yeah charlie cork you just picture Charlie with greased down hair and a, a big handlebar mustache and bad body odor. Overserved. Uh, he gets overserved at the bars, I can tell. <laughs> overserved. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go for so for today I'll go with Charlie Cork. I like yeah, that. That's probably one that's one of the better ones we've gotten, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Wow, thank you. Do you uh I, you're you're a busy guy. Is there anything you want to uh tell our listeners about? Uh let's see. Actually, look, can I can I take over the show for a minute? I feel like I need to uh, sure. share that um, I have, in a sense, met both Wyatt and Josephine. Oh. I, I have visited their grave. They are uh, they're buried here, in, or not in San Francisco. A uh, little quick story about San Francisco. Uh, even in the 1920s, real estate... Uh, became incredibly expensive and precious. So uh, they moved all the town cemeteries outside of town to this little town south of San Francisco called Colma. So it's literally a city of the dead. You have more dead people in Colma than alive people in San Francisco. And uh, as you guys may know, uh, um, Wyatt and Josephine retired. Um, I don't think they were in San Francisco, but they were definitely in the immediate Bay Area, maybe down in the peninsula, <laughs> Palo Alto uh, or someplace like that. <laughs> They're working so, on a startup uh, down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had a, he, he you know, the first Pharaoh uh, table there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's called an app. <laughs> um, and he's buried in a Jewish cemetery. And then Josie, I think, passed around 1940. So, uh, and I think E. Clampus Vetus uh, looks after their tomb. So, yeah, I've I've been to their tomb, or their their headstone. Oh, Are they cool. so they 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 share a headstone? Yeah, as I recall, um, you know, it's the old fashioned. You know, the they bought a plot, I'm sure, 
and he went first, and they were buried together. So yeah, you have Wyatt Earp, who's buried in a Jewish cemetery in Colma, California. Interesting. Yeah, I just looked it up. They're, they're, they do share a headstone. That's amazing. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, in a sense, I've, I've met the man. That's awesome. That's, anything else you want to tell our listeners about? Well, yeah. You know, maybe I'll, yeah. Uh, my, my buddy, uh, Josh Horowitz and I, we did uh, a, uh, a minute movie podcast all about Big Trouble in Little China, as if you didn't know. Uh, five Minutes of Trouble. It was, it was very radical. Because uh, we did, uh, it was a weekly show, and we did it five minutes at a time. <laughs> a lot of people thought oh, that's crazy. Never five work. minutes, never work. Uh, yeah, we had we had some weird time space dilation problems with that show <laughs> because we were just, you know playing around with time and space, doing five minutes at a time. We had one guest who ended up being ninety eight years old at the end of it. It was a little bit of a <laughs> Warner, Warner, yeah. Warner. Warner, pronounced Warner. Um, yes. And then, yeah. Otherwise, um, I'm doing a little writing and voice acting in a, an audio drama. Doesn't that sound pretentious? An audio drama uh, called uh, 12 Chimes It's Midnight, also featuring Josh Horowitz as an actor, announcer, and writer, and produced by my good friend Amy Pavy. And it's a, a throwback to the old, uh, very macabre. Uh, horror suspense radio anthologies of the 1930s and 40s, shows like Lights Out and Inner Sanctum. So good, creepy fun. That's so, fun. Yeah, and we are just did sort of a mini season, and we're working on season two, which I think is going to be very good. So uh, check out 12 Chimes. It's midnight. Awesome. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Um, well, Brett, thanks a lot for being on here. Oh gosh, yeah, it was a, it was a blast. I'm gonna hijack your show again. Have you guys talked about um, any of your f- other favorite westerns? We can do this off <laughs> off the air too, but um, we we've sort of discussed a little bit about sort of like these three eras of westerns, like you know, classic Hollywood westerns versus like sort of the spaghetti western era, and then you know, sort of the modern Western. So I think we've sort of discussed the different Westerns. Yeah, I don't think we ever, eras. like, n- like nailed a, f- a legit favorite. I know our guest Duff s- said uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance was his favorite, but I don't think the two of us ever chimed in and said our favorites. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm ready to say mine. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. My, if uh, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre would be my favorite one, which oh. is not wow. totally like, you know, your classic Western is a little different, but I that's my favorite one. Oh, that's a nice. good choice. Yeah, I didn't expect that from you, Joe. Why? Great What's Why? that supposed Just to mean? Too old. <laughs> uh, I would go. Uh, I would go if Once Upon a Time in the West is my Ooh, favorite. Good one. Yeah. Good one. You, Brett? Uh, if I had to pick one, it would be tough. But I'd probably go with the Searchers. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. But I'd also. I mean, you know, I. I, I I'm going to do a quick top five. It'd be Searchers. Um, Outlaw Josie Wales. Okay. Uh, um, and Fistful of Dollars is my favorite Leone, and I'll just le- I'll leave it there. Oh, oh Silverado, and then I'll stop. Silverado. All right. Yeah. Look at that. So we just gave our listeners six new westerns to listen to. Go see them. Yeah. Yes. And and also possibly, you know, your follow up podcast after this. Yeah, we're Maybe. still 
we're still in uh, we're still in the negotiation stage. <laughs> I see, I see. Yes. But I I'll be going I, on strike pretty soon to <laughs> to make mine happen. But yeah, well, you know, save your voices, rest them up, get the vocal cords, you know, rest them up, and then and then come back and do another western. There there are not enough movie minute western podcasts. That's true. I think this is the only one. That I know and of. thank you for doing it because this is one hell of a movie. Yeah. And thanks a lot for being on. Oh, my pleasure. All right. Um, We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 99.